Welcome to the Living Life Well Show, the intersection of God's Word, today's science, and healthy living with common sense application, all based on the truth of the Word of God. I'm your host, Dr. John Skelton. Now let's get straight to the truth. Okay, welcome back to the Living Life Well Show. We have a great topic for you today, in my opinion anyways, fasting. I believe there are three types of fasting. There's biblical fasting, intermittent or food fasting, and dopamine fasting. So today we're going to break down all three of those, where we see the history from, the benefits of each. And then in a subsequent episode, we're going to discuss how to practically implement this, who should and who shouldn't implement it. And we'll give you some practical tips as to how to proceed from there. All right, so let's get started with biblical fasting. So fasting, we know, is virtually throughout every major religion has some sort of fasting, be it ritual or history. We see it currently with Catholicism, with Lent, typically giving up a singular food. Sometimes it's giving up entire foods for a period of time. When I am researching something from the biblical standpoint to look at, I always like to look at the first time it's used. How was it first used? I like to contrast that from the Old Testament to the New Testament to see for any potential differences. And so with that being said, what I'd like to talk about now is when we first saw fasting occur. So fast or fasted or fasting, there's multiple synonyms for it. And so when we look in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and we look at fasting as it relates to worship or food, we first see the first mention of it in Judges 20. We see that Israel as a whole was fighting Benjamin, one of the tribes of Israel, and they had just gotten slaughtered. And so they instituted a day of fasting for an upcoming war with Benjamin. God then provided Israel the win in that war. So during this episode, they fasted, they sacrificed, and they sought God's wisdom. We see it again in, in 1 Samuel 7, where again, they're fasting with regards to war and as an act of repentance. We then see it with David after the death of Jonathan and Saul. We see several other examples of fasting in preparation for new projects, clarity on how to proceed and even favor. And we see this in Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther. So fasting, biblically speaking, typically re revolves around either mourning, war, preparation, okay, or favor is, is typically the three areas that I see it in the Old Testament. Now, when we go to the New Testament, the first area that we see fasting is in Matthew 4. And in Matthew 4, this is where Jesus is led out into the desert by himself, and he's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights by Satan. And so he was on a fast for 40 days, it says. During this fast, as you might imagine, it tells us that 
he was physically weak. In addition, it, it tells us the temptations that were set before him. Jesus fasted for 40 days. He was tempted by Satan in three different ways, and he was prepared for those temptations. Then we also see uh, a direction on how to fast. The Israelites were called to fast several times a year just in ceremony to God. But then in Isaiah, we see uh, specifically in Isaiah 58 that they were just really just kind of going through the motions. They were going through the motions of fasting and physically complying with it, but they were not at all complying with the spirit that was behind fasting. And so in Isaiah 58 verses six through nine, and then again, uh, a little later on in the chapter, we see the benefits of fasting and how God calls us to fast. So I would recommend that you go into uh, that area of scripture and, and read that for yourself. But I think Isaiah 58 is, is very poignant in that you know, it, it, it's very much like the Pharisees that we see that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6 as well. He is telling us that they are fasting in such a way to make it known to everybody what they were doing and that they were depriving themselves and these things. And so the Pharisees would then fast above the required fasting for the religious ceremonies. And they would make sure that when they were doing this, they received the notoriety that they were wanting or the recognition that they were wanting from those that they came in contact with on the days that they were fasting. So again, in referencing Isaiah 58, we see that they were doing it with not right motives. So what, what are the, the motives that God calls us to? Well, he calls us to honor God. Honor him when we are fasting. Honor him with our time spent and why we are doing. He also tells us that while we're fasting, we need to serve others. And that is a distinction that I think that we miss out on with all these other fasts, these intermittent fasting, the dopamine fasting. It's all self-focused, right? And it is, what am I going to get out of this? Well, what I can tell you is, is whether you're fasting for yourself, just for weight loss, general health, whatever the case may be, you are getting benefit out of that. We are called as Christians to share any benefits that we get with either other Christians and or share the, the good news of Christ with other people. So. I would implore you that any time that you are engaging in a fast of any type, be it strictly a biblical fast, be it practicing intermittent fasting, and or uh, what we'll talk about later on, dopamine fast, I would implore you to implement some sort of service or an attitude of service in your fasting. So I'd like to look a little bit deeper into the reasons that they were fasting. One is uh, mourning. We have a physiologic response when we suffer a great loss. And many times we see this where people just don't feel like eating or drinking. This may last for, for days. This is a, a physiologic response, a change in our neurochemical release that 
is just causing us to feel down, depressed, and it decreases our, our drive to eat and even our hunger in many cases. Now, this doesn't happen with everyone, but it does happen quite often. And we also see this when uh, people are praying for a breakthrough. So take David. David was praying for his healing of his son that he had with Bathsheba and was fasting and praying very fervently. Then the child died and he got up and started eating and, and drinking, kind of opposite of what everyone expected. And so he said that he was using that time that he was fasting and praying to hopefully change God's mind about what God had said was going to happen. And so that is another way that, that people use it. Nehemiah fasted in response to hearing about the broken down walls of Jerusalem. He realized that this was coming from disobedience. And so he prayed and repented and at the same time was able to find favor through that fasting. We also see that associated with Esther. Esther really was fasting before she was going to go in and lobby for the Israelites that were under captivity under King Xerxes. So fasting can open the doors to victory. It can open the doors to favor, and it opens the doors to uh, strength. So we see that even with fasting, as people were going into battle, you would think the opposite of that, right? You would think that you don't want to be fasted going into battle. You're going to be weak, right? Well, God gave them the victory in each of these situations. And so when we fast and we fast with a God-given purpose, we initiate and elevate that fasting on a biblical level, on a spiritual level that unlocks increased healing in our lives. And we see that even in Isaiah 58, 8, it tells us that you will get healing more quickly when you are fasting with a right purpose. Biblical fasting also seems to give clarity. It gives clarity as to direction, how to proceed, when to proceed. We see that in multiple, multiple cases throughout the Old Testament. And we see that they garnered favor with those that they were knowing that they had to approach with fear and or trembling. In Nehemiah's case and Esther's case, both of those, we see that they garnered favor because of what they had done prior to approaching the king in, in both of these cases. So when we fast in a, in a biblical standpoint, we get all the physical benefits of fasting. We get more mental clarity, but we get God's blessing and God's favor and his anointing on whatever it is that he's moving us forward into. And so anytime you are moving into a new episode in your life, a area of mourning, an area of potential new business, a change for your family or for yourself, I recommend a period of fasting. Now, that fasting could be a few hours, that may be a, a day, a few days, really kind of depends. And it also depends on what you're fasting from. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the dopamine fasting, but 
in essence, in the biblical times, much of their day was spent around gathering and preparing food. Food was, was central. So the men, as well as the women, were very much involved every single day in obtaining resource and or preparing that resource for the day. And so we see fasting to a degree, even on the Sabbath, when he says, don't do any work. They were fasting from work. They were fasting from preparations. They had done everything the day before so that they could have that day to dedicate to the Lord. So essentially, we are seeing a day of fasting from work when we look at how the Jewish Sabbath has been presented to us in the Old Testament. So again, the Jewish Sabbath was set up to be that day for rest and rejuvenation and honoring to God. Now, we see in the New Testament as it moved forward that Jesus then again calls out the Pharisees and those religious leaders because they were doing things out of ritual and obligation and almost in a punitive way to try and catch somebody not honoring all the Sabbath traditions that they had. So when we approach fasting, we don't want to approach it with this rigorous, this is how we have to do it. These are the individual steps. We have to do all these steps. What we want to have when we fast is we want to have that attitude, that attitude of coming into Christ and being open to what he's telling us and making sure that we're celebrating him and what he has given to us and how he is going to lead us. And so that is how we want, really are going to get the most benefit from fasting. If we're a, a Christian and we're following these principles, God is going to bless us above what he's already given us with the physical benefits and the mental benefits that we get just from going into a fast. So with that being said, let's kind of jump into intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting is a relatively new concept, a concept in which we are fasting for anywhere from 12 hours to typically up to three days is kind of the most common fast. Many people will fast for 16 to 18, maybe even 20 hours a day. And th those are very, very common. You will see different fasting programs that will be a 5-2 program, meaning you would eat potentially five days a week, just kind of regularly, and two days a week you would fast, or even reverse of that, that you would have a time-restricted eating on five days, and then two days that you, you would eat normally. And so you want to have some sort of rhythm and to be quite honest, irregularity with your fasting, because this helps to continue to increase that metabolic rate and keep that metabolic rate high. When we fast too often, too long, and are too restricted in our eating, over time, your metabolic rate can then start to decrease and change. And you can see other hormonal changes when you're doing it too often. Now, shifting back to the, to the biblical aspect, we saw that they typically were asked to fast about four to five times a year at different festivals and in honoring to, to God. And then we also see 
that they were to feast several times a year in honoring and celebration to God. So we need to incorporate both of those attitudes when we are even doing the intermittent fasting. So why intermittent fast? Well, one of the main benefits that we get from intermittent fasting is we get insulin sensitivity. So many of us have insulin resistance. Insulin resistance results in type 2 diabetes if it goes on long enough. Insulin resistance is what can cause you to all of a sudden feel very hungry or angry sometimes. And it is a cycle that perpetuates itself over and over again because as you eat, your insulin is secreted, drops your blood sugar down, makes you crave foods. And so then you want to eat carbs again, typically. Now, when we fast, that and this happens over time is that insulin secretion that is coming out starts to go down and so your body down regulates the amount of insulin that it is typically secreting and so this benefits us now when you end up having some birthday cake or having a celebration you eat more the pancreas will then regulate back up but it doesn't stay at that level it is more variable with what it is and isn't secreting. And so that allows you benefit with the insulin resistance. In addition, insulin resistance is caused by issues in the GI tract. When the GI tract is constantly being bombarded by insulin, this is where we see that in insulin insensitivity or insulin resistance occur. So when we give our gut a rest, we allow for the gut to A, rest, and B, just generally recover. And so when our gut is resting and recovering and not constantly having to digest, that's where we're gonna see changes in our hormone profile over time as we continue to participate in fasting and or if you're going on a longer fast, a, a two or three day fast, you will see a lot of hormone recovery as well. Okay, so many people will receive benefits from fasting that really kind of change their cognition. Most of my clients will report when they start the fasting process, once they get to around that 16 hour kind of level of fasting, they will begin noticing that their mornings are much more clear, that they have less seeming brain fog and feeling tired and issues with memory as well. So a lot of people when they are fasting notice that they have a lot less brain fog, that they seem to be sharper, that they seem to have more mental clarity, even more energy throughout the day. And part of that is because we are typically feeding on glucose. Glucose is the main energy molecule that our brain uses. Honestly, it uses about 25 to 30% of our glucose levels uh, just for our, our two to three pound brain. And so that's a significant portion of our glucose that is being used by one single organ. And when we switch from being uh, in a completely fed state to a fasted state, usually somewhere between 12 to 16 hours, 
what we're doing is our brain is switching off from using glucose as the form of energy that it's performing its functions to now we're using breakdown products of fat, free fatty acids, beta hydroxybutyrate, and acetoacetate essentially going into a ketosis that you find quite frequently people talk about on the keto diet, so to speak. So when we go into that fasted state, our brains are switching. It appears that this is where some of that increased clarity of thought comes from. In addition, just the benefits that we're getting from the gut with that decreased insulin resistance, that decreased uh, levels of glucose because okay so many people will receive benefits from fasting that really kind of change their cognition most of my clients will report when they start the fasting process once they get to around that 16 hour kind of level of fasting they will begin noticing that their mornings are much more clear, that they have less seeming brain fog and feeling tired and issues with memory as well. So a lot of people, when they are fasting, notice that they have a lot less brain fog, that they seem to be sharper, that they seem to have more mental clarity, even more energy throughout the day. And Part of that is because we are typically feeding on glucose. Glucose is the main energy molecule that our brain uses. Honestly, it uses about 25 to 30% of our glucose levels uh, just for our, our two to three pound brain. And so that's a significant portion of our glucose that is being used by one single organ. And when we switch from being uh, in a completely fed state to a fasted state, usually somewhere between 12 to 16 hours. What we're doing is our brain is switching off from using glucose as the form of energy that it's performing its functions to now we're using breakdown products of fat, free fatty acids, beta-butyrate, and acetoacetate essentially going into a ketosis that you find quite frequently people talk about on the keto diet. So when we go into that fasted state, our brains are switching. It appears that this is where some of that increased clarity of thought comes from. In addition, just the benefits that we're getting from the gut with that decreased insulin resistance, that decreased levels of glucose, because once we get between 12 to 36 hours, we have used all our stores of stored glucose. You see, your body stores glucose in the liver in the form of, form of glycogen and then also in our muscles. And this is where we're going to then start breaking down that stored glucose for utilization during those first hours of fasting. Once you've been fasting for a while, those stores start to decrease. And so when you've been fasting for a period of time, you're constantly kind of tapping into those stores. So when I start with clients, I like to start them out just at a 12 hour fast and work up to a 16 hour fast. 
so that they can start getting some of that mental clarity reversal of the metabolic switch, if you will, you, going from using glucose to now using the free fatty acid breakdown products and getting into using beta-hydroxybutyrate and acetate for their brain function. So as the brain is switching over to these different substrates to use for energy, we also see that our body starts to repair. It starts a process called autophagy. This is a process where we take damaged proteins, damaged molecules, and then basically kind of clean house, kind of go through a repairing process and helps us clear out specific chemicals like free radicals that tend to damage our, our body. We see this as a benefit, especially as people age with Alzheimer's because their ability to activate this system kind of decreases with age. Now we upregulate this when we are fasting. And so once you're over that 24 hour fast, that's kind of when we see this process start to engage and really kind of gets going at that 48 to 72 hour kind of window with fasting and, and really get a lot of benefit in that regard once you are able to push yourself to those longer windows. Once we see that the autophagy is turned on, it also is noted that this is helped to be turned on by the process of uh, decreased insulin because we have IGF-1 that is then activated, which then helps to allow that repair process to take place of all the damaged proteins, getting the free radicals out, and then essentially sweeping and cleaning house throughout not only the brain, but also the gut and everywhere else within our body. So other benefits that we get with regards to fasting is uh, a change in our microbiome. We know that many of the harmful bacteria that tend to live in our gut really feed off of sugars primarily. And so sugars and grains, those are really going to promote proliferation of those bacteria that are really most harmful to us. When we fast, those good bacteria tend to increase. So as we fast, we're getting that benefit from that increased diversity of the gut microbiome, and that is going to help with cognition, the insulin sensitivity, hormone synthesis, and plays a whole host of other benefits, especially just boosting the immune system in general once we have a better profile of our gut microbiome. So there are a lot of myths associated with fasting. And so I wanted to address a few of those during this. So, you know, the first myth that we hear is, you know, fasting will cause me to lose muscle. So we can go right back to, you know, even the, the Old Testament here, fasting and going into war. I would say that's a pretty physical exertion, right? That's a pretty significant workout. And so he's not going to have us do something that is going to cause us physical harm. And so the idea that fasting causes muscle loss or that you can't work out when you're fasted is, is just, it's flatly wrong. Um, it really helps even performance that we see many times with different athletes in different sports that when they do participate in a fasted state, they have 
better output measures. And so fasting really isn't going to cause decreased performance. It's not going to cause muscle loss. Um, it actually is going to, once you're fasting over that, you know, 12 hour mark, somewhere between 12 and 36 hours, you're actually going to switch. And after you've taken out all your glycogen stores, then that's where you're going to see that body composition change pre and post with fat loss is where you're really going to see your weight loss start. Your weight loss initially in the first few hours is going to be water weight. You are going to get an increased urinary output, if you will, when you're in that fastest state. That, that starts to calm down over hours, really after about 24 hours or so that decreases. But you will notice that when you go on these longer fasts where you're at 48 to 72 hours, the weight loss that you have is going to be fat and not muscle. And so there have been many studies done where they're looking at body composition pre and post and measuring your fat and your protein and your water weight and bone density and all these things. And what has been shown repeatedly is that the weight of your fat is, or your body composition associated with fat has decreased comparatively in the unfasted state or non-fasted state. So a couple of the other things that we hear is, you know, fasting will cause my metabolism to slow down. And yes, if you're on a chronic restricted calorie basis for weeks or months on end, yes, that can, that can absolutely occur. Many of the fasting programs will allow 500 to 800 calories a day and consider that fasting. And so when you are on a chronically restricted calorie basis for long periods of time, yes, your body's going to adjust. Your metabolism is going to slow down. And so that's why we recommend a varying of how often you're fasting, um, how long you're fasting, and also have periods in between of not fasting. Generally speaking, I recommend uh, practice a 12-hour fast a day, but outside and going above 12 hours, again, you are going to see issues if you are practicing that, that fastest state on a chronic everyday basis and not changing up your routine. And so we definitely want you to do that. So, and then we've already discussed the feeling sluggish and decreased energy. Well, you know, what we really see is we see hormone surges like HGH and adrenaline that really occur when you are in that fasted state. And as we talked about, you know, many athletes are seeing increased performance when they perform in a fasted state as opposed to a fed state. So really that's another myth that we can throw by the wayside. So let's talk about who shouldn't fast. So generally speaking, I don't recommend that children under 18 or definitely children that are still developing very young children absolutely don't need to fast. Any women who are pregnant or breastfeeding obviously don't need to, don't need to fast. Anybody that's in a malnourished state. So if you're already very thin, low weight, or you have some sort of severe disease state, don't need to fast. Anyone that is an anorexic should not fast. Anyone that has recurrent hypoglycemia or recurrent low blood pressure should not fast as well. Now, who needs oversight in fasting? 
anybody that's on medication. So we typically think of any kind of cardiovascular medication. So if you're on blood pressure medications, we can see decreases in blood pressure associated with fasting. Again, we'll see that with weight loss. It also, like we, like we talked about at the Live Life Well show, we want you to truly live life well. To that end, we have a special limited time offer exclusively for our podcast listeners. We are offering our 90 days to begin living life well course and membership to you for just $75 a month. The 90 days to begin living life well course takes you through weekly email and video instructions, as well as weekly assessments in all three areas of health, body, mind, and spirit. We also provide Konia, our community of like-minded people all on their own journey to living life well. In Konia, you and I will interact through regular Q&As as well as with special guests and content exclusive to the Konia community. In addition, you will have the opportunity for one-on-one -on -one coaching with me and my team. If this appeals to you, scan the QR code so you can get started living life well. So many of the antihypertensive medications will see lowering of blood pressure. And so if you're already very tightly or well controlled on your blood pressure medication, once that diuresis starts and you are seeing weight loss, you can see further decreases in your blood pressure, which could potentially be dangerous if you are employing a fasting state and continuing to take your blood pressure medication. So we want you to be very careful with regards to that. And then of course, diabetes. Diabetes, what we'll see is very frequently, we'll have clients that are on multiple oral medications. And generally people think of insulin as being uh, very much an issue with regards to hypoglycemia, and it is. However, what we see with the oral medications is they are typically in our body longer and so those hypoglycemic effects can extend for two, three days sometimes. And so we want to make sure that you are having very good oversight when you start into a fasting program. So for anyone that is on medications, you absolutely need to consult your physician before you would start on any fasting program whatsoever. If you're not even subscribing to that 12 hours a day fasting routine and you're normally just say eating a snack right before bed or something like that, if you're waking up in the middle of the night and your blood sugar's low or if you are uh, noticing that you're having a lot lower blood sugars in the morning, again, you would want to consult with your physician prior to starting on any of that. So... And of course, you know, anybody that has a history of hypoglycemia, we would want to determine why it is that they're having those episodes. Was it because they were previously on medications? Was it because they were previously fasting? What, what was the, the issue? And then, of course, anybody with a history of GERD. That is one thing that we will see sometimes is that you can have an increased incidence of GERD. And so if you already have that, that, that can be an issue. Now, the next type of fasting I want to talk about is really nice because you don't have to have any physician oversight with this, okay? Generally speaking. Now, what we're talking about is dopamine fasting. Dopamine fasting is uh, something that is a relatively newer term, and it's relatively new within our time and society. It is the feel-good chemical that's released in our brain and even in our gut 
and it's associated typically with something that we're enjoying. So whether that be something that's healthy or something that's unhealthy, be it food, be it alcohol or drugs, be it our phones, whatever it is that we're potentially getting that dopamine hit from, that is what we are going to talk about fasting from. So what we see quite often is that when somebody is addicted to something, the reason they're addicted is because they're getting a dopamine hit. That dopamine is being triggered through the brain. That's training them to continue to get that feel-good feeling from that substance. Really doesn't matter what it is, whether it's food, whether it's social media, whether it is alcohol or drugs, even tobacco to a certain degree, you are going to get a dopamine hit from one of those things. This is where I would tell you, I think fasting really comes into play in our modern society, even more so from a spiritual aspect than the fasting from food. I'm not suggesting that you replace fasting from food with fasting from dopamine. What I'm suggesting is you incorporate that into your fasting. I believe that you will get more benefit from it. One of the first things that we do in our program is we want to take an inventory, an inventory of where are we spending our time? How are we eating? How are we sleeping? How are we feeling throughout the day? Where are we spending that time? Is it at work? Is it at home? How are we spending our time? What are the relationships that we're, we're spending our time in? And so if you're having a good relationship with someone, that typically is going to result in increased dopamine levels. If you're having a poor relationship with someone, you're going to have decreased dopamine and more stress hormone response. So anytime we have stress, we're going to have decreased levels of dopamine. When we become addicted to something, we are having to have more and more of that addicting stimulus to increase and produce more dopamine. Just like we get insulin resistance, essentially you can get effectively dopamine uh, resistance as well. So we have to have more of that same stimulus to get that same response. Well, so when we look at modern society, we're not really having to spend a whole lot of time with regards to preparing, gathering food and, and those things. You can go to any grocery store, obtain food very quickly. You can go through, you know, numerous drive throughs and, and get a food. I'm not saying it's good food for you, but you can get food at that time. And so that is much less of an issue. We're not spending tons of time revolving around uh, obtaining and preparing foods. What we are spending a lot of time is these inputs that are coming into to our lives, be it uh, work-related or be it uh, leisure-related. And so you really need to assess where it is that you might need to fast from something. So Fasting from the phone is typically a good thing to do, whether that just be social media, whether that means all alerts using do not disturb more often. Those are going to be things for you to figure out. Once we start going through that dopamine fast, what we're going to find is that we have less pleasure associated with that particular component over time.
So it's not something that, you know, you're going to see right away if you do it for a single day. It is going to be something that you're going to realize over time. And so when you're going through a dopamine fast, what I recommend that you do is, A, take that inventory beforehand. Figure out where it is that you're spending that time. And if you are spending time and you're seeing a truly positive relationship that is increasing your ability to give and to serve and increasing your energy every day, that's not necessarily something that you may need to fast from. Typically, the two things that I really recommend fasting from outside of drugs and alcohol, and those are going to be, you know, the, the areas in which you may need supervision for fasting from in a, quote, dopamine fast, but would be typically work-related issues and having alert fatigue from email and or notification fatigue from things that are going on at work and for things that are going on at home. And so, you know, for work, if you can, I typically recommend that you set yourself up on an email schedule that you don't have your phone constantly ding every time a new email comes in or have an alert every time an email comes in. Some jobs that's appropriate, some jobs that's not. Same thing for social media. Anytime an alert, a new comment comes in, a new post, those things, I recommend that you turn all those notifications off. I also recommend that as with email, if you are using social media as part of your, your job or your employment, that you put yourself on a schedule. Put yourself on a schedule to check it. Typically, I recommend two to three times a day is what I recommend for really responding to emails. But that, that's going to be for you to decide. So social media as well, if it's being used for work, great. Put yourself as much on a schedule as you can to reply to those comments as well. For the dopamine fasting, really, it can also go into your relationship. So if there's a relationship that maybe is dragging you down quite often, see about fasting from that relationship and see if you don't feel your mood lift as well as your cognition effectively increasing your dopamine by by doing that can really help heal the body as well so you want to fast from the negative relationships or the overindulgence or overstimulation of distraction and so those are the two big things We'll talk about more about how to incorporate the biblical fasting, the intermittent fasting, and the dopamine fasting all on the next episode of the Living Life Well Show. I hope this has been enjoyable to you. I hope it's been informative. And thanks and God bless. That's it for this episode of the Living Life Well Show. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more or want to know how to put this into practice for yourself, go to livelifewellclinic.com. Until next time, this is Dr. John Skelton saying, go out and live the truth so you can live life well. The preceding is for entertainment and educational purposes only. It is not meant to be used to prevent, diagnose, treat, or cure any condition. The information contained in this show does not substitute the need for a qualified medical professional, nor is it meant to provide medical advice or services. 
If you feel information presented in this show may apply to you, we recommend you seek out the help of a qualified medical professional who can evaluate and treat your specific concerns.